That Triathlon Show, episode 56. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's show, I'll answer some of your listener questions, including training and especially running for heavy or overweight athletes, whether you still can improve at 48 years young, core strength and maintenance routines, how to break through performance plateaus, and optimizing recovery. And just to remind you before starting answering your questions, you can send me your questions to michael at scientifictriathlon.com. And whether I answer these questions on air or not, I try to always answer them to you directly in an email. The questions have been flowing in at a very good rate in the last couple of months, so I just picked out a few of the best or most important or most interesting questions for this episode, and I will be answering more of them in the future. So do let me know as well what you think about these Q&A episodes. One final thing before we dive into the questions, at the end of this episode, I'll mention the findings from a super thorough and well-written publication on the impact of different diets on body composition, as that's something that I keep getting a ton of questions about, and the results may surprise you, so stick around until the very end. But before that, let's start with question number one, which is from James in Florida. He writes, Hey Michael, as a 270-pound man who was 330 pounds nine months ago, and that's uh, for the European listeners and uh, non-imperial units, 150 kilograms to 122 kilograms, the training wrecks my body, especially running. It's getting better and easier, but any general tips for large men? I'm pushing when I can and resting when I need. I'm doing my first sprint next month and I'm confident in a finish, but I'd like to do better than just participate. I read a ton and I'm just looking for a piece of advice I may have missed. So first off, James, congratulations on losing those 60 pounds in nine months. That's absolutely fantastic. And for taking up triathlon as well and signing up for your first race. That's that's big, big congrats to you. I do have some advice and it's very simple and fundamental, but not necessarily easy. And it's to be patient, especially with the running, as you yourself point out. I wouldn't do any intensity at this point on the running side of things. And I'd keep the runs uh, very short never run two days in a row and for most runs i would probably even insert 30 second walking breaks every five or so minutes depending a bit on how comfortable you are with running but inserting those walk breaks and making it run walks this will protect you from injuries and uh, keeping that intensity out of your training at the moment as well of course because at 270 pounds you will still be susceptible to to them and i guess that you're weight loss project continues and with a very conservative and patient run training progression like above you will have a great base upon which to add some more running and at a later point also include some intensity and uh, speaking of weight loss as i mentioned i will be talking a little bit about that uh, at the end of this episode on the other hand if what you've been doing so far seems to be working well if it ain't broken you know no need to fix it so so keep at it 
Uh, as for other training tips besides running, I would do more training volume on the swim and bike side of things because the injury risk is so much smaller and you'll develop a great aerobic base that will still benefit your running. And for somebody new to triathlon like yourself and especially given your weight loss goals, uh, it would make sense to to maybe focus on the volume side of things uh, and rather than doing a lot of high intensity as mentioned before but the swim might be an exception at least if you have a relatively decent technique then i would start adding intensity to the swim and uh, for an idea of how to do that you can see episode 27 of that triathlon show which you can find on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash tts 27 and again, this requires a lot of patience. It won't make you a lot faster quickly, but it will set you up for great success in the long run. And you will be able to do much better than just participate, as you mentioned, with this long-term approach and not getting injured. All right, so question number two is from Jonas from Sweden. And he writes... My problem is age. I started late with triathlon two years ago at age 46. And my concern is how far can I go? Am I already too old or too late to be significantly better? Or can I still cut 20 to 30 minutes from my Ironman 70.3 time? I've been training 10 to 14 hours per week last year. And my time is 5.02 now. I have cut 8 minutes from last year's best time. And before triathlon, I used to train volleyball and martial arts. I guess it is a general question if older athletes aged 45 to 50 can be significantly better in three to five years of intense training. So, uh, yeah, this is a great question and and one that I think that many listeners uh, are silently asking. So it's impossible to guarantee anything. But, uh, yeah, I would I would wager that... Uh, with a 90% probability, you have great room for for improvements, especially considering that you've only been doing triathlon for two years. A good rule of thumb is that uh, your triathlon age or the time in which you can during which you can greatly improve in triathlon is the first seven years of your uh, before uh, after starting triathlon. So um, yeah, you have uh, five years more of great development to look forward to. And of course, I should mention that it becomes harder and more challenging with age uh, because you are kind of fighting fighting a decrease in, in aerobic capacity uh, and uh, maybe reduced muscle mass. And for more details about that, I recommend listening to episode 20 of that triathlon show, which is called Masters Athletes, How to Minimize the Performance Decline for Aging Triathletes. And that can be found on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash TTS20. So it's a fine balance between training hard and intensely in your hard workouts, but being incredibly disciplined with recovery between these workouts, because that's what you need to be more diligent and do better and better the more you age. And uh, it's um, it's a fine line, as I said, and, and difficult, but as to answer your question, I would say yes, it is possible, and that eight-minute improvement that you've done in the last year is, uh, I think, indicative that you can still improve more and more. They might not be as rapid improvements, since the most rapid improvements typically come uh, in your first years, of course, but with eight years and you still having 
using that seven-year rule of thumb, thumb, five more years of improvements to come, even if you just cut on average four minutes per year, then you will get that 20 minutes of your half Ironman time. So good luck with that to Jonas from Sweden. Question number three is from Khan. I'm not quite sure if I'm pronouncing it Uh, correctly but uh, let's go with Khan from Germany his question is uh, related to episode 45 when I had James Dunn on to talk about uh, running injuries and maintenance routines uh, for triathletes and his question about that is how to combine James's routines that you can download for free on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash TTS 45 into the core workouts that I have as free download a free downloadable uh, routine on the front page of scientifictriathlon.com both of these routines are suggested three to four times a week and both of them are approximately 15 minutes now i feel like there should be an optimum combination can you please explain that all right so uh yeah that's a great question and as i said uh, my core you can get james's routines on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash tts45 and the one the core strength core strength routine i developed on scientifictriathlon.com just scroll down a little bit on the page to a green button saying learn the routines to get access to these routines and they include both detailed written and illustrated instructions as well as quick cheat sheets and full video demonstrations so finally, to answer your question, Khan, my routines are focused more on just core strength and uh, core strength, but in the right core muscles that you need to use and in a functional way as a triathlete, but it's still strength. And James's routines are m- more all-encompassing, I would say. They incorporate a lot of mobility and activation exercises as well. Um, well, I would say that my routines do have activation in terms of the muscles, but not necessarily if you have, um, if your nervous system ha- has, uh, so if you have big, bigger problems in your activation, I should say, in terms of, for example, not even being able to get past a, an 80 degree angle when you, when you try to, uh, lie on your back on the floor and, uh, and try to get your, raise your leg so that you stretch your hamstring you know that it's difficult to explain and i do a very poor job of it but uh anyway my point being that james's routines have activation and mobility things in them as well and they're not just strength they have less strength than my routines do so i would do both and i would say that doing two times per week of each so two times more purely strength based as my routines are and two times of james's routines uh, would be great if you can do that. Get four times 15 minutes every week. Uh, but if you're somebody who knows that, for example, the mobility or activation kind of things is a limiter for you, then maybe go with a three to one ratio in favor of James's routines and vice versa if strength is your limiter. So, and also one final point to mention is that my routines are <laughs> on a long they they are very much based on uh, James's teachings, at least partially. So there is a there is kind of an overlap on the strength side of things. So you can't go much wrong either way, as long as you do any of these routines regularly. Question number four. We're moving through these questions quickly, so um, I'm happy with that. Uh, it's uh, Grant from the United Kingdom who writes. 
Hi, Michael. I spent five years in a triathlon, specifically sprints, and been rather successful. I've done one Olympic distance ever and came third. I feel like this is now the best I'm going to be. I feel like I have now reached the point where my genetics and possibly old injuries are now holding me back from progressing any further. I'm a sports scientist lecturer and so read plenty of research and books and tailor the information accordingly to my training. I just ensure I try and use the stuff that is well-researched and stuff that I feel will work for me. I've spent three years on training peaks and two years using power, and this helped me hugely at the beginning. I am now very well educated about training peaks. I periodize my training very well and understand the science behind various training structures. I have trained roughly twice a day and include rest days when needed. I am lucky enough to have six weeks free over summer where I use this time to follow a professional style of training program. Three sessions a day, swim, bike, run, with the odd day for strength and also core flexibility. So it's safe to say that I'm a seasoned triathlete. My nutrition is also pretty good and I supplement correctly and responsibly. However, I think I reached that moment we all know is coming. That moment of, I think, that's it. This is the fastest I can be. I physically can't try any harder and I'm not getting any faster. I would like to be faster on my run as I'm an 18 minute 5k runner off the bike, but I want to get to 1730. So what do I do? And here Grant lists six different options. One, do I wipe everything I know and start from a blank page? Maybe even devise and experiment with a new revolutionary way of training. So my answer to that, okay, first, I'll get back to the other alternatives that Grant has. But one uh, important piece of information that I think is still missing from your otherwise very thorough bio is your age. It could potentially have an impact on how I will answer these questions. But for the purpose of uh, of this episode, I'm going to assume that you're in the 40 to 45 year old range, as that seems to be the middle of the bell curve of the listeners of the show. So... Again, the first alternative is, do I wipe everything I know and start from a blank page, maybe even devise an experiment with a new or revolutionary way of training? My answer to that is, I don't think it's necessary. You seem very knowledgeable, so I'm sure that you've done most of the things right. And the fact of the matter is that there really is no revolutionary way of training, no silver bullet. So I believe that smaller tweaks and changes to an already very solid baseline and good consistency over five years is a better approach. Now, the thing is that we, we need to find those tw- find those tweaks for you. And, and that is a challenge, of course, but I don't believe that you need to, uh, to throw things upside down and, and find a revolutionary silver bullet. Okay, so Grant's second alternative is, do I dial my training back and go to training once per day? And my answer to that would be perhaps. Uh, and I would say that the key for you being a very good triathlete five years into the sport is to n- really nail your hard, intense key sessions. And if your current approach doesn't allow you to do that, and the difference here, mind you, may be very subtle, then this could be a great avenue to explore, to reduce the training volume, to really, really nail your intensity. Grant's third alternative is, do I accept the fact that this is as fast and as fit as I can be, but keep going. And my answer to that is, unless you are well about 50 years of age, let's say 55 plus, I wouldn't do that, not immediately at least, not without a proper investigation in your training. And again, as mentioned above about the intensity, I think that might be a key factor. 
Alternative number four in Grant's question is, uh, do I maybe try block training or block periodization with uh, one week swim focus, one week bike focus, and one week run focus? And uh, I would say that uh, this could be another worthwhile avenue to explore maybe for your base building phase in particular uh, when you're further out from your key races. And uh, I will probably be doing a block periodization episode in the not too distant future because that's been requested as well so uh, stay tuned for that at this point in time i can't answer yes or no but uh, i would uh, say that uh, uh, this this is an interesting point and it could be worth exploring alternative number five is do i tone everything down and get my coaching badges and my answer would be if you want to, sure, but not if it's only because of giving up on improving, because I do believe that uh, there's still the possibility that by doing the right tweaks to your training, again, with the unknown age being a disclaimer, uh, although even that is not necessarily the case, case, I think that there are still things that you can explore to see if you can break through this plateau. And finally, alternative number six is, do I experiment with a longer distance race for, or with longer distance races for a year? And Grant writes in uh, parenthesis, this is my least favorite ID. And he concludes with, it would be nice to hear what you think. Really enjoy the podcast, especially how you are not afraid to ask for the specifics. Thanks for that feedback. As for your last alternative, experimenting with uh, longer distances, if you're not into it, which you don't seem to be, then I wouldn't do it. I, I'm very, very happy to see that there are age groupers like you out there that realize that triathlon is definitely not equal to Ironman or Iron Distance Racing. And I want to elaborate a little bit on the intensity side of things that I mentioned already. I really think that this might be a key thing for you, given that you're a seasoned athlete, and that getting in not necessarily a lot of intensity, but... Uh, one or one and a half on average uh, key very high stress session per discipline per week even with uh, periodizing so some weeks you might not have have it in some disciplines and you might have two in other etc but really doing everything you can to perform as well as possible in those sessions that might be key for you and really really Focusing in on that and being aware that the difference between running, let's say, a 78-second 400 or 78-second 400 repeats on the track, if that is your key session for the week, and 81-second 400s, even if it's just a 3-second per 400 difference, which may not sound like a lot, it can really, percentage-wise, it is a significant difference and it can really make or break your continued improvements when you are at a high level and want to uh, break through a plateau like this obviously this is not the case in a single workout if you have the odd intense session where you where you can't really go to do well like that then it's it's not about that that is um, doing those 81 second 400s will still be uh, add a great lot a great amount of stress and and add to your consistency of intense workouts but trying to get as many of those breakthrough workouts where you really nail the intensity in as possible that might be key here. All right, that was a long one, but we have a shorter one as the final question. This is another James writing in, and uh, this James coming from the UK. So he writes that uh, he has some issues with his recovery. When training six days per week and working full time, I struggle to be 100% for each session 
I drink protein shakes with BCAAs, that's branch-chained amino acids, manually added in twice a day, whilst also taking supplements of multivitamins, cod liver oil, uh, ferroglobin and milk thistle. Diet is strong with plenty of carbs, fats and protein, and I regularly foam roll and do yoga. Anything else I could be taking or doing. Thanks in advance, James. All right, James, thanks for your question. I would say immediately that sleep is by far the most important thing you can do for your recovery. Make sure that you get enough sleep. And if it doesn't feel like your sleep quality is good enough, you need to address that quality as well. Nutrition seems good. Having a good balance of carbs, protein, and fat is uh, is great. I think some of the supplemental stuff you do may even be overkill. I actually don't know off the top of my head what milk thistle does or is supposed to do uh, or any anything I haven't seen seen anything behind that but but that doesn't mean that it's not good but just saying that some things might be unnecessary as for ferroglobin for example uh you need to really know your blood va- uh, values to to know whether that's worthwhile taking or not that's not something i think that you should be taking just uh just for the sake of doing it you need to to know that you need to take that to do it uh cod liver oil i think that's that's a good supplement that any athlete could could take definitely multivitamins as well but again not uh having that as an excuse not to eat a healthy uh very varied um diet all right, so I think that might be a bit of an overkill with some of the supplements. As for the protein shakes and branched-chain amino acids, if you train two hard sessions per day, then uh, definitely those protein shakes can be beneficial. But if it's less than that or or you don't have the intensity, then, then I would scale that down a bit, maybe. Uh, not that that's going to harm your recovery, but it might not be necessary. It depends on uh, really on what training you do. If it's it's really different if you do two hard sessions on one day or if you do one easy session, then you don't necessarily need those protein shakes. And uh, the final point about recovery that I want to make is to have a look at your training program. Do you have a good mix of hard and easy training sessions? And remember that there's no single right answer to to this question about your training program specifically we're all individuals so if you think that you're not recovered enough then maybe your program is a bit too hard for you at the moment even though it might be the perfect program for somebody else and i'm not saying obviously that you are training too hard but uh, try to uh, assess and review your program and take a rather critical view on it and try to get your coach's hat on to do that it uh, might help if you get in the mindset of thinking that uh three hard sessions that you manage to execute at 100% of your planned intensity plus three easy sessions is better than six hard sessions executed at 90 to 95% of the planned intensity. That's something that I've found with, with some athletes that I coach that really, and as I mentioned in for Grant's question before as well, with that getting to that 100% of your performance capabilities in those intense sessions when you do them. And, uh, and to, do, to be able to do that, you need to have those easy sessions as well. So that was the final listener question for this episode. Hope that you've learned some things from them. Uh, I've been asking for feedback for the show in recent episodes, and I'm very appreciative of the feedback and constructive criticism you've been sending in. One example is in an iTunes review from Murphy Ager in the UK, who writes, really informative show with high quality guests. 
Michael presents these in a great way, and I appreciate his own views and summary at the end of certain shows. Would like to hear these each show. I am a cyclist with an interest in nutrition and find these very useful. Thank you a lot for that review. Oh, it's a five-star review, by the way, with the headline, great show and well presented. Uh, thank you for that and for especially for the piece of, uh, of feedback on my own views and summaries. Uh, I've actually got several other requests previously to add more of my own views, uh, especially to tie the interviewees' views together with previous interviews on the same topic. And I'll definitely try to do more of that in the future. So thank you again. Uh, another review that I got and a piece of feedback is uh, David Nichols, who wrote me a while back and uh, gave me a point for improvement in trying to reduce filler phrases like, I'll keep this short. And thank you a lot, David. Uh, I will definitely try my best. It's difficult, I found, uh, as when we talk, most of us naturally use a lot of filler phrases, but I'll do my best to keep them to a minimum. And I'm very thankful for you pointing this out and making me aware of this. And also, especially I'm uh, thankful for your review, which reads... Interesting, different, and concise, five stars. By far the most helpful triathlon podcast I'll listen to. Michael and his leading expert guests address so many of the key questions I have wondered about and explain them in an engaging and simple way. Big thanks again to David Nichols for sending in that review. One of the reasons I'm reading these reviews on this episode is that I've set myself a goal to get 100 reviews for that triathlon show within this year, 2017. And we are in September at the moment, so not too much time left. And I'm currently sitting at around about 25 or so. So I really need your help to achieve this. So if you like the podcast, please, please take a short minute to write a short review and rate the podcast in iTunes or your podcast player app of choice. If you're not sure how to do it, go to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash rate to see easy to follow screenshot instructions of it. And you will find that link that I just mentioned in the episode description for this episode in your podcast player app as well. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, there's a relatively new, published in June of this year, 2017, publication in the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition. And it's actually a position stand from the International Society of Sports Nutrition. And the position stand is on diets and body composition. And this is a question that I get asked a lot, as I mentioned already, so I want to answer it here. I was going to say once and for all, but uh, I changed my mind because science is obviously constantly evolving. So who knows what we may know three years from now. But current as of September 2017, uh, this is uh, the main takeaway from this paper. When net caloric intake and protein intake is uh, matched between groups, there's no impact whatsoever of the fat to carb ratios or contents of your diet on body composition. Everything, for everything from high carb, low fat diets to ketogenic diets can be equally effective in terms of body composition. No significant differences can be found or have been found in any study on the topic. 
All right, so I hope that uh, you found that useful. You can This gives you a great deal of flexibility in your diet uh, in, when it comes to body composition. However, remember that your diet should have a lot of other functions as well, not just body composition goals. And these other functions include optimizing your training and racing performance and also optimizing your recovery as we talked about in uh, different episodes so scroll back through the archives to find those those episodes i'll obviously link to this paper in the show notes on that triathlonshow.com that's about it for this episode. Thattriathlonshow.com is the place where you can get all the show notes from this episode, not just that link, but the main uh, cliff notes for the questions that I just answered. And the next episode will come out on Monday, and it will be an entire episode dedicated to a listener topic request from David Shields. And the topic is training for and racing swim runs. If you want to be really blown away, go to YouTube and put in swim run in the search field and look at some of the official race videos for races in a variety of amazingly beautiful places. That will be a good prep for you to do before Monday's, Monday's episode. I'll talk to you then. But until that, keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.